welcome to Cub of Cubby Blue, your off-season home for Cubs news updates and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, which is part of the SB Nation family of Team Sucks. And I'm trying so hard not to laugh right now because Andy and I were like already chit-chatting before we hit record and then realized that like our banter was so great and we weren't recording it and I'm in like laughing through tears. <laughs> I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs at Bleed Cubby Blue. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts or follow us on Twitter at Cup of Cubby Blue. Andy, take it away. This is going to be one of those days, folks. I don't know what to tell you. But you guys are going to love every minute of it because we have lots of good stuff tonight. I am Andy Cruz Van a second. I am contributing to Cubs Den. And actually, I just had a piece released about two hours ago. So go check it out if you have a minute. Oh, what are you writing about today? Um, Today, my piece was called off seasoning objectively. So it's basically how I put in my tweet to kind of summarize. Um, I, I am trying to get my way through off season blues by explaining to you how I feel that it is not that bad when really I do feel it's that bad, but I kind of am forcing myself <laughs> to feel like it's not that bad. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think you'll get a kick out of it. It's more just like a fan's perspective type thing. So very cool. I'm going to find that tweet right now so that I totally remember to check that out as soon as we are done recording. Um, I was, I I was definitely not uh, doing something that productive right before we started. I was actually reading through 9 million comments on our giant site for SB nation McCovey Chronicles about the Gabe Kapler hiring, but we will get to that later. That is on the agenda lower down. Um, it's a busy news news week, people, and we're going to try to cover all of it here. So first off, and we're going to do this every week, we asked uh, some of our listeners what types of things they're interested in hearing about um, as we start these off-season podcasts. And we got a couple of really interesting questions. So I, I'm just going to start it off. Um, at Dukey York asked us if there were any starters on the radar. I'm assuming he means starting pitchers and whether or not the Cubs are going to sign Nick Cassianos. I have some thoughts on the second part. Andy, what are your thoughts on the first one? I honestly, and we've had this question around for a couple of days now, and I could not find anything linking any solid starters to the Cubs. I did just read before we hopped on that um, they are not, uh, Theo is not, completely against bringing Chatwood back to the starting lineup, which oh, I, no. yes, that's, that's a, no, that's no. a, that's a hard no for me. That's okay. a hard no. Theo, Theo, but, I, yeah. I'm not sure if you listen to Cup of Cubby Blue. You definitely should. Um, Tyler Chatwood is so much better out of the bullpen and it's clearly, clearly, and I say this as a person who deals with anxiety, like it is clearly a mental thing. Just don't make him start. Don't put him in that situation. It's it's demonstrated that it's a situation that he doesn't succeed in. Let him okay. succeed. Listen, I get that. I totally get that. And I'm with you. You know I'm with you. I was driving that train during the season. So my only thought on this is, um, my objective thought on this is maybe he feels like the people that they're bringing in, the coaches, um, staff that's new around him can maybe make some of that flip. I don't know. I mean, it's just a thought, 
But if he's even venturing to go down that path again, there's got to be something different that happens with him because we just have seen it too many times to know what's going to happen if there's not something changed with him. So maybe that's that's his thought process. You know, there's enough new people around him that he can he can work on something or I don't know. I don't know. That's just that I'm I'm trying to, you know, look at you know what could possibly be the motive for moving him to his great bull from his great bullpen numbers to back to the starting rotation where he obviously was not good. I mean desperation could be a motive. I I, I had I had the same problem trying to find some starters that were linked to the Cubs. And that doesn't mean there aren't starters linked to the Cubs. They clearly have a spot in the rotation that needs to be filled by somebody. Um, Cole Hamels will not be with the team next year unless he takes a serious cut and pay to come back to the Cubs. Um, Look, I liked Alec Mills in the spot starts that he had last season. I think he is a decent uh, number five option. I don't think he's a number five option on a team that thinks they're going to contend. I think he's a number five option on a team that maybe would like to back into the wild card. And I, I hope that's not what this team is doing in 2020. Um, beyond Alec Mills, I, I, I liked what I saw from Adbert Alzale. I thought he was great. Um, I would like to see more of that. I just don't think the Cubs farm system is deep enough to roll the dice on some combination of Mills, Adbert, and Chatwood <laughs> filling that final starting pitching role. So there has to be something I, else out there. Definitely. I, I'm with you on that 100%. I kind of feel like talking in that direction about Chatwood maybe joining the rotation is also a bit of foreshadowing because with all these other rumors going on and all the other possibilities of trading big pieces off of this squad – What's to say they don't ask for a starter in return? So, I mean, we don't know what what they're working on. We don't know if we're even going to have these four starters. They may be striking up a trade package that includes a Quintana. You know, I mean, we don't know. So I think it's safe to say that, you know, we're going to start to get a better idea of of what the rotation will look like, obviously, as we get closer to – spring training, but it's just, it's one of those things where I feel like there are a lot of possibilities and a lot of things that we may be surprised about this off season that could include our rotation. I totally agree with that. And, and the two other players that I want to mention here, this is part of why this question of like, what, what is the starting rotation and who's going to fill it out is part of why I was kind of shocked that the Cubs didn't pick up Kendall Graveman's $3 million option. I thought that that was a pretty cheap possible starting arm that was an upgrade over what they already had, or at least equal to what they already had. Um, They didn't seem to think that he was that, which means they think there's something out there that is worth about $3 million um, that's better that they can acquire in some way, be it a trade or be it a free agent signing. And the other person that I I just want to shine some light on because we haven't talked about him a ton is Colin Rea, um, who was a starting pitcher as recently as 2016, he got injured. He spent a bunch of time in the minor leagues. Um, but he is a starting caliber pitcher in the Cubs system, and they did add him to the 40-man roster. So he is another possible option next year. He threw 148 innings um, last year in Iowa, and uh, that could be a thing. I, I'm not saying it's a great option, but it's a possible option that's out there. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it just there's there's so many, you know, different combinations of things that could happen. I'm pretty confident in at least three of our starters being back and about 60% confident in that fourth. I just don't know what they have brewing. I feel like there's a lot of uncertainty and there's going to be a lot of surprises along the way, which, you know what, I I got to put my trust in in the guy and just kind of roll with it. And I'm, I'm looking forward to what's to come for, for this rotation as well as, you know, when the roster starts to fill out over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, totally. So uh, the second part of this question, which I think is equally as intriguing, is the signing Castellanos, yes, no. And Andy and I are very on the like. <laughs> we want to sign Nicholas Castellanos and keep him in Chicago forever. Um, that may be, as we talked about last time with the um, salaries and the competitive balance tax caps and all of that type of stuff. That's maybe what I'll call them, tax caps, because they're being treated like caps, even though they're not. Um that's maybe not the most realistic thing. I got an MLB alert earlier today that was talking about the two most valuable outfielders on the market in Ozuna and Castellanos. And it said pretty clearly that the Cubs were less likely to re-sign Castellanos and it projected a couple of other places that he might go. I'm still holding out hope that Theo can maybe get something done there. But what about you? We're a few weeks away from baseball now. What are you thinking? Are sign Nicholas Castellanos? Yes, no. I mean, I am so over everyone with their, but he's not good at defense. I'm so yeah, over Yeah, I'm that. over that too. I'm over that too. Like, That's not, stop. Like, like, get over it, people. Use your own eyeballs. Stop, stop listening to what people t- tell you. Like, you got to watch this guy for almost a half a season play ball at Wrigley. How, it, it, use your own eyeballs and your own judgment. Was he really that bad defensively? Like, no, he was not. And if he signs with the Chicago Cubs, where would he be playing at Wrigley? The, the, the defense stuff that we heard about was him playing third base and him playing, wh- where did he come from? The like, Tigers, Comerica. Tigers, thank you. I was like, I kept thinking the Indians. I was like, no, that's not right. Um, but yeah, I mean, those are two different things. So stop listening to what everybody's saying about his horrible defense. And I mean, if you didn't listen to Sarah and I on the Tigers podcast a while back, Y'all need to listen to that because they even agreed with us that it was, he was not that bad. It was mostly when he was in, at third base um, that he kind of got a bad rap for, for that whole bad defense thing. I would love to have him back personally. I think he provided a spark to this team that um, was unmatched at any point in the second half of the season. And, you know, he was just one of those go-getters and just made it happen and kind of willed his way into like the most double plays of his career like or most doubles of his career which is crazy um it it just he was such such a pleasure to have on the field he was you know such a hustler and somebody that you know by all accounts was a good teammate I just I really loved him being a Chicago Cub I want them to sign him, but I also know that I'm also realistic in the fact that the money part of it is going to be hard to finagle. And I don't see it happening. um, Most likely, I think we're probably going to have to say goodbye to him. It would be great to have him back. Let's also not forget that Scott Boris is his agent, which is kind of a major roadblock for anybody that you love. (laughs) Because I just feel like he is... Um, another kind of special when it comes to how he runs his business and how he does his business. Um, case in point, his press conference, I use air quotes when I say that, his press conference today, 
which is basically a dog and pony show for all his free agents that he has this year. Um, it's just, I, I just don't feel great about it. Obviously my heart would love to have him back. If you've listened to any amount of episodes since he was a cub, you know that Aaron and I love this guy, but it's just, it's, it's a very realistic thing to, to have to think about the Chicago Cubs without him. So two things about Nicholas Castellanos. I agree with everything Andy just said, by the way. Um, one is on this defense question. One of the things I've wanted to look at, and I, I'm sure somebody's already done this to some extent, but I've never read something that really spoke to me about this definitively. I think that Wrigley is a strange place to measure defensive um, stats for outfielders, just in the sense that the wall plays so much differently than it does in other places. Like you can't make some of the like, run at the padded wall catches <laughs> that you can make in other places. And it just, I think that it lends itself to a different type of player being successful defensively. Um, and, and that's a hunch I have. I've never really done a deep dive on it and I haven't looked at everybody who's played outfield there. I did notice the other day that I was doing one of those, like, who's your favorite player um, at every position type of thing. And I realized that like my favorite center fielder for the Cubs that I've seen in my lifetime is Reed Johnson, which is kind of, you know, a off the wall pick. He was not particularly a star for a really long time in Chicago, but center field <coughs> Wrigley in our lifetimes is kind of like, it's kind of, that's not a deep position. You know what I mean? And I think there's something about the outfield here. I, you know, Jason Hayward's defense no longer looks quite as spectacular to some people um, and to some metrics with him playing here as opposed to other places. I don't know. This is kind of off the cuff. I might be wrong about this, but it, the Cassianos passed the eye test for me at Wrigley. I didn't see him misplay a lot of balls. I didn't see him make a ton of terrible throws. There weren't times where I was internally groaning like, Oh my God, here we go again with Cassianos miffing a ball and right. He seemed fine. <laughs> yeah. And I kind of, I kind of touch on this in, in the piece that I wrote tonight. Um, for Cubs end, where I basically just said, if you have an opinion about a player that you've watched at any point in the season, don't feed into what people are telling you. Like if you see something and you feel a certain way about it, keep your opinions, like your eyes <laughs> work. <laughs> I, right. Like, this whole, this whole defense, bad defense thing just really annoys me. And I, I, it gets under my skin and I'm probably beating a dead horse at this point, but it's just one of those things where if you see a player do something or, you feel a certain way about any certain player. That's your opinion. You've watched him play. You're entitled to that. Stay with that. Don't just because you read 17 people on your Twitter feed say that Castellanos is bad at defense. That doesn't mean that Castellanos is bad at defense. So I just, I hate that. Like, I just feel like it, it snowballed quite a bit and people just jumped on having no clue what they were talking about. So yeah, I, I just, I think he got a bad rap there. I would love to see him as a cub. I'm just, I'm I'm just pretty, pretty realistic to the fact that it's probably not going to happen. Um, along the lines of like believing your eyes, and this was not one of the things I was going to talk about with Nicholas Castellanos, which I will in a second. Uh, we're going to talk more about that with framing in a minute, but <laughs> we'll save that for the Wilson Contreras portion of the show, which I'm sure will take up large portions of the show. Um, the other like kind of aside I wanted to bring to people's attention about Nicholas Castellanos, because I missed it. Uh, in late September on The Athletic, um, Mark Herrick wrote a piece about the 2009 American Junior Baseball team. Have you read this piece? I have not. Oh, my God. Okay, so I stumbled on it today just 
clicking through some links and it was suggested to me and I was shocked that I missed this piece. Y'all need to read this piece. So this, um, Castellanos was on this team, which is why I bring it up. But Castellanos was one of nine future major leaguers who was on this team, including Bryce Harper and Manny Machado. And they like went down to play this tournament in Venezuela and beat Cuba for the first time in like five or six years or something crazy. And it's nuts. It's a great story. Everything about this is awesome. There are pictures of like little Manny Machado and little Nicholas Castellanos and little Bryce Harper, and they will make your heart just sing. <laughs> oh my gosh. I just wrote this down. I cannot wait. I, I'm like looking this up as soon as we hang up. I literally, I tweeted it out earlier with a thank you to him. Cause I just thought it was so great that the piece existed. And I, I generally, those types of things start to trend and I see them and, I, and this one didn't for whatever reason. But so um, I also retweeted it from the cup of cubby blue account. So if you follow us on Twitter, uh, you will see that story in our feed. And I just cannot recommend this enough. It will make you love all of those guys even more. Um, I'm not, no spoilers. I'm not going to tell all the stories, but there it's a great piece. Highly recommend checking it out. <laughs> I'm on it. So uh, another question that we got from a listener before we move on to some other things uh, at Carrie three, four, one, two wanted to know about the coaching staff. And, and that's a great question, particularly given the moves just in this week. Um, if you read Cubs Insider, uh, our uh, blog run by our friend Evan Altman, he uh, made the point earlier today that the Cubs are looking to finalize their coaching staff this week. And the front office is filling out a little bit as well. So I wanted to break this into two parts, both t- first talking about the coaches and then talking about the front office. Um, Coaching-wise, the big news is that the Cubs have a bench coach. That bench coach is Andy Green. I was a little surprised by this. Um, Andy Green was let go by the Padres with like eight games left in the season, which is kind of strange. Um, I don't know, Andy. What do you think of Andy? Andy, what do you think of Andy Green? <laughs> well, I, I have done some extensive research on on this Andy Green friend. Um, one key thing that I would like to point out, which I think is quite all, is the first time he was ever ejected as a manager was against the Pirates, and it was because they were pitching up and in. Oh, How crazy! Is wow. That? So, so he's crazy. on our side. He's on our side. So he's, he's not going to be the one in the dugout holding anyone back when we play the Pirates next year. That's outstanding. <laughs> so, um, no, I'm actually I'm actually pretty excited about this. I didn't know a whole lot about him. I read a couple different um, pieces about him today, just trying to to brush up on some some general knowledge of him. And it sounds like he is somebody that takes very seriously being two and three steps ahead of everything as far as in-game strategy, um, in-game planning, which, you know, can kind of get away from you when you're looking at the big picture, like someone like David Ross is going to be expected to do in his new shoes that he will be acting in. So I think he's going to be a really good guy to be David's right-hand man because he is going to be the detail-oriented one. He's going to be the one that is going to remind him of the little things when David gets a little little caught up in the fact that he has to, he has to manage everybody. And I think that's going to be really important. Um, The fact that he does have some managerial experience helps too. Um, Now, obviously not the kind of managerial experience we would prefer, but no less, he was a manager. So um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be very cool. I'm very excited to, to have him and, and have him be the guy that's, you know, 
kind of the liaison between David and um, the players. Although I don't know that David needs much of that because he obviously has relationships with a lot of them. So um, I think the dynamic is going to be great. The fact that they didn't know each other before this hire was a little strange to me. Um, so they definitely have to, they knew of each other, obviously, but they weren't friends or anything. Well, so I thought they played one season together with the Reds. Um, Am I wrong about have, that? They might have. I, so when he was first announced, I and I, I could be wrong about this. I'm doing this off of memory. I don't have this in the notes. Um, I thought that he, they had what, like one half of a season together or one season together or some like thing uh, with the Reds and that they knew each other from that perspective, but not necessarily like extensively. It wasn't like they coached or, you know, played together for years. Right. Well, the the article I read about him specifically said that they would have to grow a friendship and basically it made it sound like they were just going to be getting to know each other. So, um, which I'm not completely opposed to. I think if you're kind of forced to like into this situation and you know, you have to get along, sometimes that works, you know, there might be some butting of the heads, but sometimes that works because you're not afraid to be a hundred percent honest, you know, you're not afraid to stand your ground. You're not afraid to do you, you know? So I think if they had a previous relationship coming in, um, that that might be a little bit different. So I'm actually very excited about this move and I'm, I'm, I'm very welcoming the, the changes that are going to be happening with him being the bench coach. So it'll be interesting to see the dynamic, but like I said, this guy, I feel like was a really good hire. Cool. Um, I, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what's up with that too. It's, I mean, a lot of this is going to be new. A couple other notes, coaching staff wise with some of the, um, some of our other talent. So the Cubs confirmed on Monday that Will Venable will be back. You may recall that Venable interviewed for the manager position. He also interviewed for the San Francisco Giants manager position, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, it's not clear if he'll be back as the first base coach or the third base coach, but he will be back as a base coach. Lester Strode, who had been in the Cubs organization as the bullpen coach for like 31 years, <laughs> the vast majority of my Cubs watching life uh, is out and they have parted ways. He is being replaced by Chris Young, who was formerly a pitching coach in the Phillies organization. I was a little stunned to hear that Lester Strode was not going to come back. He's just been such a staple in the Cubs organization for so long. Well, I have to ask because I've read this in multiple places, but I have not heard anything else about it. I've heard that he is being offered a more prominent position in the front office. I I have read, I've read that rumor too, and I haven't seen it followed up on. So he was being offered like, don't come back as the bullpen coach, come back in this other way. Um, and I hope that's true because I think it would, there's a lot of people out in the bleachers who are so used to seeing Lester walk out there and, you know, joke around with fans. I Sitting in the bleachers at Wrigley, you just get to engage with the coaches and the players in such a different way. And I really hope that he is staying in the organization because it would be such a loss if he wasn't. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And I think it's a smart move to keep somebody like him around because, I mean, he's just, he's been through how many different... <laughs> Um, should we say Cubs brands, if you will, um, 
over his 31 years. It's just crazy to me. He's seen a lot of things and they, they need to keep someone like him around for many, many reasons. So I really hope whatever they had in mind, I hope it all pans out because we need a Lester Strode around. I agree with that completely. Um, so it seems like they still need to hire a ba- uh, one base coach and I'm not entirely sure what is going on in the mental skills department. I haven't seen a ton of articles on that at the moment. Have you? Yeah, I, I definitely Googled all of that. And right now, I mean, I basically have the same list as you. Like I have, I do have the advanced scouting guy, Brad Mills, I guess we just hired. Oh yeah. Um, and then um, who else? Tom Hadavi, Anthony Iaposi, Mark Bozello, all, or Mike Bozello will all be back. Um, and then <laughs> this gentleman that we don't know how to say his name. <laughs> oh, yeah. So this is a front office hire. And we're going to do our very best here, Dan. But please, Dan, don't hate us. We This is what had us la- me cracking up at the beginning of the show, because Andy and I just realized neither of us know how to say this name. And we're going to try to record a podcast anyway. Um, so that's great. Uh, so the Cubs have hired Dan Kentrovitz. He will be the president of amateur scouting. He comes to the Cubs after time with the Oakland Athletics and the Cardinals. And with the Cardinals, um, notable, he was in charge of the drafts that got them Flaherty, Weaver, and Kelly, all of whom are great, uh, great draft picks. Um, So I am super optimistic about Dan Kay. What about you, Andy? Oh, yeah. Well, just in the the sense of, okay, listen. I I know we joke a lot about and and poke fun a lot at our rivals to the south, the St. Louis Cardinals. Actually, rivals to the straight east for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but that doesn't mean that we don't respect the fact they have a good organization. You know, obviously, and over the years that they have had some great talent go through their system, they are notorious for having a very good farm system bringing good folks up through um, and more so developing their pitchers. That is one thing that they have done well. Um, so having somebody that worked in that position for a, a, pro, a team like the St. Louis Cardinals is huge. I mean, and you really just don't grasp how huge that can be until we start seeing seeing some of that progress within our system. But I mean, I the second I heard what he had done and who he had done it for, I was like, yes, I'm on board. Um, you know, just because he was an icky Cardinal doesn't mean that we can't, <laughs> we can't be happy about this hire because he definitely had some great, some great players come through his, when he was directing for them, direct director of scouting for them. Um, Flaherty obviously is amazing. And Joe Kelly is still pitching Weaver. I don't, I think he was injured last year, but I mean, these guys have all been great pitchers for, for good teams. So we, that is definitely something to be excited about. Yeah, absolutely. And, and if you know anything about what the athletics have done the last few years, if you've been amazed, sort of like, how are the athletics in the wild card again? How did they win a hundred games? What is going on? They have no budget and just random people. I mean, I just think the athletics front office is kind of a marvel and I'm excited that the Cubs are going to bring in somebody with a set of eyes straight from the athletics. I think that that is a huge bonus to the organization. Um, now in a, with that, you know, you lose people sometimes too, since we last recorded, the Cubs lost uh, one of their general assistant general managers, Scott Harris, who is going to be the general manager of the Giants. And he got introduced in a dual press conference today with 
new manager Gabe Kapler. And we're going to talk about that after a few words from our sponsors, because the whole Gabe Kapler hiring is an entirely different can of worms. But first, a quick break. (coughs) And we're back. So um, the Giants finally finished their managerial hunt after they poached one of our assistant general managers. Scott Harris has been great for the Cubs. Uh, by all accounts, he left on good terms. He's kind of like a whiz kid, 32-year-old, running up through the ranks of front offices. Um, and we wish him all the all the luck in the world with the Giants. But I can't imagine he had a great first day because his first day involved a press conference where they spent 30 minutes asking Gabe Kapler um, questions about his previous problems in the Dodgers organization when he was in charge of um, amateur or player development and was tied to multiple sexual assault cover-ups and other incidents. I, I don't even know what else to say. Why? <laughs> Help me, well, Andy. You're not gonna, you're not gonna toot your own horn. I'll toot it. Um, Sarah wrote an amazing article about this. Um, and I read it earlier today and my jaw was just on the ground. Uh, you definitely need to take a minute and, and read this. It, it was, it, so well done and it gives you definitely everything you need to know without going too much into detail about um what exactly Gabe Kepler has been involved with as a manager or you know a person of rank um where some of these incidents have occurred and and his part in it and it's really disturbing and it's really disturbing that major league is not doing anything about it um and the person who came forward is coming forward and now kind of being said, well, you didn't care that much because you didn't do right. anything before. You know, I mean, to me, that is that's so childish. And um, it, it's so it's so bad. I mean, I just I don't want to, you know, go into too much detail and because it's it's bad. Um, but it, it's I mean, sad. And it, it, I mean, and I feel horrible for Scott Harris because that dude was going to go and be great no matter where he went. But to have to be introduced with Gabe Kapler under those circumstances is not fair. That is not cool. I, in San Francisco, I have lost so much respect for that franchise. They're, it, they're just doing so many things wrong. It's just, it's bad. It's really I mean, bad. I, so to, I'll do a tiny recap of the piece I wrote. And thank, thank you for the compliments, Andy. I will retweet it from the Cup of Cubby Blue account. So you can read it if you haven't already. Um, Full disclosure, I was like loosely aware of parts of this. I had read some articles about problems with Dodgers minor league players over the years, but I had not quite made the connection, um, like the strong connection that Kapler was there for all of those things that he has mentioned in all of these articles. There's a great Washington Post piece. There's a couple of great Sports Illustrated pieces. Um, there's a great Daily Beast piece. So it's it's not like it wasn't out there, but I don't think people sort of like honed the Hone the, hone the microscope on like, what was Gabe Kapler doing in all of these circumstances, right? And the thing that's even crazier to me about this, uh, well, first, let me back up a little bit. So um, credit where it's due, this was brought to my attention by Nick Francona. Nick Francona worked with Gabe Kapler and Farhan Zaidi, who is in the Giant, the president of Giants Baseball Operations now. He's basically their Theo. Um, but he was a general manager for the Dodgers when all of this was going on. And they... 
they kind of oversaw a bunch of incidents that they swept under the rug. And those incidents came to light after Francona was effectively fired from the Dodgers organization. And he came, he went public with them. Um, And those stories were all out last year. That's not new in my piece or anything like that. But I think it is worth noting that even if, and, and a lot of people have, there are questions about what Francona's motivations were for putting this information forward. It is still a mo- like an absolutely monumental error in judgment on the part of Kapler and Zadie when you look at what they did when they were in the Dodgers front office. And the idea that Zadie then gets a position with a different team and goes out and the best he can do to replace Bruce Bochy is to go find his pal who has a sub 500 win percentage and all of this stuff on his record and give him a job. When there were candidates like Joe Espada and Will Venable and other really good candidates in that pool, I'm just, I find it appalling. Like, why would you do that? I don't, I, I don't know. I, it it kind of blew my mind. I'm totally a conspiracy theorist. I will say it. I don't care. He did it because he had to keep him quiet. If Gabe doesn't have a job, he gets bored. He starts talking about stupid stuff and who gets in trouble. So let's shut him up, get him, keep him busy and keep him under me. And I know that I have somebody that will do whatever they have to do to sweep stuff under the rug. So to think now that this has kind of had some light shed on it, I think there will be a microscope on that franchise and how they're handling things and what goes down. And, you know, it's sad and you hate thinking this way, but God, I feel sorry for the women, the young women of San Francisco, because <laughs> these guys are obviously not, they, they don't, they have no regard for the, for those people. They, they are worried about themselves and their team and the young men that make bad decisions that are not maybe the best people. And that makes me super sad. That's not, it's not okay. You know, I well, mean, they're, there needs to be consequences and and to put people in a place of position that will not enforce consequences is just not smart. I mean, you're just, you're just asking for trouble. I think you hit something that I think is really important here. And I just want to stress it. It's, it's not even so much that like they made decisions that were unexplicable or anything like that. I mean, you could see what they were doing. They were trying to protect their players and they were trying to protect their organization But they over and over and over again just made decisions that showed they had very little concern for the victims in these instances, and they weren't interested in looking for solutions that would help those victims. One of the things that stood out, um, I was reading some of the coverage from our giant site earlier today about the press conferences. At one point, they're just sort of like, yeah, we really regret that we just didn't turn to experts on this or that we didn't know to ask the right questions. It's like, I, <laughs> you didn't know there were like people who are experts on sexual assault and violence that you could talk to who could give you much better strategies that Gabe Kapler literally <laughs> suggested that a 17 year old whose grandmother said she had been sexually assaulted should go have dinner <laughs> with the players and they should all just talk about it. With, with, with the people that she was accusing having done it. Like I, oh God, I, I, listen, we had a situation like this, very similar in my daughter's school with my daughter. 
where the teacher was not, it was not a teacher. It was somebody that was an after school person who put my daughter with this young man that said something horrible to my daughter, like in the same room together and like with no teacher or anything. I'm just like, why would you do that? Like, that's just so, it's just common sense. It's common sense. Well, I mean, it, it just, oh God, it, it just blows my mind how lazy people are. Cause that's what it is. It's laziness. Do your homework. I mean, we're average everyday people that can find just about anything we want to find on Gabe Kepler. If you're getting ready to hire him as a manager of your team, why would you not go through the interwebs with a fine tooth comb? Google his name. It's not that hard. (laughs) So this is the thing that was so, and (laughs) right. This is the thing that kind of blows my mind. So the reason I know about this is because Gabe Kepler interviewed for the Cubs job. And when he interviewed for the Cubs job, Nick, reached out to me on Twitter and said, there are some things you should know about this. And I kind of knew the story, but I was interested in hearing what he had to say. And I found out there were a lot of things that are that back up the stories that are out there. And so I don't feel like I broke anything new today, but I do feel like I tried to like put it into one spot so that people could see the pattern and what existed. And I, when admittedly, like when I was looking at this originally, I was looking at it from the perspective of, Dear God, I hope the Cubs don't do this because if the Cubs hire Gabe Kapler, it will be absolutely indefensible. And I, I don't know that I can handle them trying to explain to the fan base why they thought this was the best idea, right? But in a weird way, the Giants making that decision is almost weirder because for the Cubs, like, they didn't have anybody in the front office who was there. So it's not like they saw it. And it's not like they saw all of the blowback and it's not like they've been named in the articles or anything like that. Like Zadie was there. (laughs) He like was part and parcel of the whole thing. I don't know. You mentioned conspiracy theories earlier. I don't know that my mind wants to go there, but it just, the whole thing, the whole thing just makes my head hurt. And I, I feel for Giants fans today who were really vocal at McCovey Hove and really vocal on Twitter. I mean, the Giants got ratioed on this announcement. They announced their new manager and got ratioed on Twitter. It's not like I this mean, information wasn't out there. Yeah, it's 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 the Google machine, people. It's not hard. Yeah, totally. Um, we're actually going to take one more break. It turns out Andy and I had a lot to talk about today. On the flip side, we are going to talk about two Cubs and what their futures might be. Um, specifically, I'm talking about my favorite Wilson Contreras. And we're also going to talk about some really interesting rumors about Brandon Morrow, but hang tight with us for one minute while we do one more quick break for our sponsors. And we're back. All right. So my timeline every two or three days gets taken over by these rumors about Wilson Contreras and I, we have to talk about it. So I'm going to be a big girl. We're going to talk about it, but I I do want to be really clear about two things at the outset of this conversation. The first one is that the rumor that everybody keeps quoting and the only rumor that I have seen so far says other teams are interested in Wilson Contreras and believe he should be available. That is not a rumor that the Cubs are shopping Wilson Contreras. (laughs) That is a rumor that other teams are potentially interested in hearing what it might take to get a two-time NL All-Star starting catcher. 
and they should be because he's awesome. So of course they're interested. So I just need, you got to read these tweets carefully, people. And when you hear the, when you see the retweet and it's like, I've heard this too, that means they've also heard that other teams are interested. That does not mean that a Cubs source has said they're shopping Wilson Contreras. Second thing, if you follow me on Twitter, you already have seen this, but I'm just going to keep doing it periodically. We do not appreciate exactly how good offensively Wilson Contreras is. He is the second or third best offensive catcher in the league period and stop that is not replaceable and he only cost you 4.5 million dollars so if you thought the cubs had offensive problems when wilson Contreras was in the lineup imagine what happens when you make that spot worse by either giving it to victor caratini or by giving it to somebody worse than both of them to play three out of five games so I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there. And I tried to protect you from this, Sarah. I did. I tried to tell everyone, please don't let Sarah see this. Do not tell her. She will be crushed. <laughs> I I tried. It did not work. Um, yeah, I don't know how I feel about this. I don't want him traded, obviously. I have no control over it. I mean, I can, you know, do everything in my power, but that's not much. So, <coughs> sorry, I am... I have a really bad cough. Oh, um, I'm sorry. I noticed that. No, it's okay. Like when you hear my voice go a little dim, it's because I'm like choking or like getting ready to like not be able to breathe because I'm trying so hard not to cough in the mic. Um, but anywho, my, my whole thing that kind of scared me, or I will say opened my eyes a little bit more than I wanted them to be opened was when he posted that picture the other day on Instagram. I saw and it. if, you, yeah, if you don't know what I'm talking about, he posted a picture on Instagram of himself wearing, and I referenced this in, in the piece I wrote for Cubs Den, um, wearing a teamless royal blue hoodie. So we know that somewhere on that sweatshirt was probably a Cubs logo that he um, photoshopped out. Um, but he's standing in like the outfield, I believe, of Wrigley Field as the backdrop. And he says, caption this. And then he's got the emoji with like a raised eyebrow. So I don't know. There's a lot of different different ways you can look at it, but you know, I'm trying not to read too much into it because everybody else is doing that for us. So, you know, the, (laughs) uh, the other thing about that is within the same 24 hours, he changed his profile picture on Twitter and actually like, you know, how you have the option to like share it in your timeline or in your feed he shared it yeah. and it's a picture of him as a national league all-star. So he's not yeah. wearing anything like Cubs specific. Um, so that too was a little like, Whoa, wait a second. What, why are we doing all this? So, I mean, there's a, it, a lot of different ways you can feel about it, but you know, I'm trying not to read too much into it. Okay. So about the social media shenanigans, I have two thoughts there. One is that I, I think he, he absolutely did that on purpose. Um, and probably because he reads all the same stuff that we can read. He was in Chicago the other day. He's, in, he look, one of the things I love about Wilson Contreras is that he wears his heart on his sleeve. He is not particularly transparent. So he's probably also not particularly transparent about the fact that these rumors aren't something that he wants to hear. And so he's showing that, right? Um that is what it is. I, it breaks my heart. I wish it wasn't happening, but that really doesn't shock me. It sort of reminds me of the time. Do you remember a few months ago 
when Javi and Wilson unfriended each other on Instagram for like a week or something and everybody freaked out. <laughs> yeah, what happened with that? Did we ever find out what that was no, all about? No, we definitely didn't. But then they were hugging later. And so we all just assumed it was okay. And I didn't go, I, I'm not really that big on like who follows who and like looking for unfollows and stuff. So I, I never went back and looked at it. I also just didn't think, I don't know, like social media is weird like that, right? <laughs> but He's he's a very transparent individual. He's going to tell us what he thinks. He's going to show us what he thinks. And I'm not shocked that he doesn't like all of these articles being written about what can the Cubs get for Wilson Contreras. I will say this. If the package doesn't include at least one player who is as good of a hitter as Wilson is, doesn't have to be a catcher because there are only two of those and we're not going to be able to trade for them. One hitter who is at least a three-war hitter ready to play in 2020 plus one or two top 100 prospects, the Cubs should hang up the phone. Because it's three years, a cheap contract. He's improving defensively. There's a possibility the MLB goes to Robo. um, And he hasn't had his best season yet. That is an MVP caliber player. And you do not trade an MVP caliber player who is going to cost you $4.5 million for less. So that's the offer that I'll be satisfied with. Now, if the Cubs get that offer, I am willing. I think they should listen. They should absolutely listen to that. And if they get anything less, they should walk out of the room. Yeah, I can't believe my ears right now. But yeah, I mean, you definitely have a point. It's all about everybody has a price. I mean, that's the bottom line. Everybody has a price. Everybody is, or like we've been told and we've been reading, nobody is off limits. So saying something like that and, and, and being out there in the public saying things like that, by the way, they don't follow each other anymore at all. Oh. They, they're not back to following each other on Instagram. That's I just, sad. yeah, that makes me sad too. But the, what's been put out there that nobody's off limits. I mean, that's, that's a marketing ploy. That's a bring me your best offer ploy. Um, and Honestly, there's going to be people that are going to chuckle at that. And then there's going to be people that are like, what in the heck can we put together? Because we need a catcher and we need a good catcher. So what can we put together? We need to throw everything in the kitchen sink at them and hope that they will respond. So, I mean, it's not stupid. And I appreciate that, you know, that's how they're conducting their business this this off season. But at the same time, I think when you start to pull away the big pieces and you start to pull away the reasons why they were as successful as they were in 2016, you know, when they were winning games and um, still have this valuable core, when you start to pull pieces away from that, you're going to end up spending more time and spinning your wheels, trying to fill those gaps in, in places where it will never happen. And you're going to, you know, it just, I feel like we've always got burnt in positions like this. So I would prefer to not trade someone like Wilson Contreras. However, like I said, everyone's got a price. So you bring me the right package and it's, it's got to check off a lot of boxes and I'll listen. Totally. Look, I'm not going to say no to a perfect package. Like I'm, I'm not, I get how baseball works and I, and yes, I do the whole, like Wilson is my favorite thing. And like, that is true. I will be a fan of him wherever he plays. I am just saying that I highly doubt anybody's coming with a three F four player. Now, like that person can play 
at Wrigley Field now somewhere in the outfield or whatever, um, or second base to replace that, to like upgrade the lineup immediately, plus one or two top 100 prospects. I just, I don't think anybody's going to do that. And if that's not the package, you say no, in my opinion. I think that is what a $4.5 million two-time all-star catcher is worth right now. I also think the reason you say no to that in the offseason, at least, is because if, God forbid, the Cubs start 2020 and they're not doing well at the trade deadline, you will get so much more (laughs) for a piece like a Wilson or a Chris Bryant at the trade deadline when somebody needs that player (laughs) than you will in the dead of winter. So yeah, and that's solution to sell now. Right. And that's just supply and demand. I mean, that's that's just what that is. And that exactly. I, I've thought about that multiple times that there's going to be points in the season and teams in the season that if things aren't going our way and we become a sell team, there's going to be teams that will throw, like I said, everything in the kitchen sink at somebody like a Wilson Contreras who can fill a hole and possibly you know, put them over that threshold of being a good team and being a great team. So, you know, even if it doesn't happen in the off season and not just necessarily speaking of Contreras, but speaking of any of our valuable pieces, it also has a lot to do with, you know, how their performance goes next year, you know, that they might lose value. They might not bring in as much as we would like to see. So there's just so many moving parts on all of this stuff it, you know, it, it really is just going to, it's going to be interesting to watch it unfold. And I'm very curious as to see, you know, a little bit more serious talk about what pieces of this core are possibly being looked at to move. And, and it's scary, but at the same time, you know, like I keep saying, you cannot expect different results and keep doing the same thing over and over. So we'll just see how that translates to this team. Yeah, I think it also sort of depends on how big of an impact they think that David Ross can have in the clubhouse right away. Um, And this is all obviously apocryphal. I don't have like numbers on this. I I did read a piece a few years ago where somebody tried to like figure out what managers were worth and wins, like who, which managers impacted the game the most and which ones actually won more games, yada, yada. It was interesting, but I'm not sure that the numbers behind it were solid enough that I'd be like, yes, manager wins are a thing. Um, I don't know if David Ross is worth five wins. The Cubs are in a fundamentally different position in 2019. You know what I mean? That's a very different team. If David Ross is worth um, that, (coughs) not that horrible start that the Cubs had, right? Like that two, seven start or the two, seven stretch they had later uh, or the sweep by the Cardinals. I don't know. It's interesting. There's possible. They might want to see, how that all plays out first. Well, yeah. And think about how many games we had basically one going into the top of the ninth or the bottom of the ninth that we all had issues with how the bullpen was managed or how pinch hitting was managed or how defensive replacements were managed. (laughs) Stuff like that is we really don't understand how crucial it is at those moments. And, you know, having just made one change, obviously you'll never know the outcome, but it could have went a much different direction. So how many of those games did we have? Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say how many of those games did we lose because of what we would consider or what we thought or called Joe mismanaged. 
and you know David Ross would have done it in a different way where it would have been a different outcome so these are all things obviously that we'll find out this season but that it's very possible that five wins you know that's not unheard of that's and that is a much different position for the Cubs absolutely I mean I was just gonna say the 2019 Cubs made a decision to walk away from Tommy LaStella in favor of Daniel Descalso and then Tommy LaStella had like his best season ever and the Cubs needed a second baseman so <laughs> I don't really know what to say here I think there's a lot of ways for them to improve and I think that if you find that you can trade one part of your core to both improve now and improve later that is a deal that you make but you don't I don't think there's any reason that the Cubs need to punt on 2020 or on 2021 for that matter. Um, and I haven't seen a package for Wilson yet that doesn't do both of those things. All of the deals that I see look like things that don't make the team better in 2020 and don't make the team better in 2021. And that's presuming that Amaya uh, is everything that he's made out to be and ready in 2021. So. Right. The, and the that's, he's he's not he's not proven Wilson is and that's what we need to keep in mind exactly um speaking of the bullpen though another really interesting rumor that is bouncing around Cubs Twitter these days uh Brandon Morrow who the Cubs just bought out his option because they have paid him 21 million dollars to pitch for half a season and he's been injured for a really long time um is apparently interested in signing a minor league deal for next year. He's 35 years old. Um, and he would prefer that that deal be signed with the Cubs because he feels terrible about everything that happened. <coughs> and frankly, I'm for this. I think this is a great idea. If Brandon Morrow feels some sense of obligation to this team, when he was good and healthy, he was really good. And if you can get that type of upside for a minor league contract, do it. I'm sorry. He didn't retire. I thought he retired. He did I'm not joking. Retire. I'm totally no, joking. Yeah, he did he, not I'm totally he did joking. Not <laughs> I was playing off the fact that we've not seen him pitch in a very long time and we forget that he was still on the payroll, that sort of thing. <laughs> but yes, I'm a hundred percent with this. This is such a, a low risk, high reward situation. You sign him for next to nothing. He starts off in the minors. If he's able to do anything, anything, you know, even, come in as um, a setup guy, you know, every fourth day, every third day, whatever. If he's able to be of any use to this bullpen, we are in zero position to turn him away. Zero. And people like that, when they, they feel obligated or they feel like they need, they have something to prove, they usually come back and, and, and do something and do well for themselves. Chatwood, key example. Hello. So, it just, to me, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? We, our bullpen is, I mean, do we even have a bullpen at this point? It, it's it's a little scary to me. We have yeah, the, we have the little, wick. We have wick and whack. Yeah, exactly. Scary. So, I mean, we need arms. We're not in a position to turn him away. If he's able to pitch, if he's able to make a difference, sign it. Sign it now. Do it get it done. Let him start working out. He's already said, his agents already said, he's not going to make any moves or go anywhere or talk to any other teams until the Cubs decide if this is something they're interested in. So why the heck would you not do it? Yeah, I just mean, do it. Seriously, do it, yeah. just do it. Yes, please and thank you. <laughs> um. Okay, so I actually, literally as we were finishing up this bullpen segment, got a tweet about the thing that we wanted to end the show on anyway. So um, let me pull this up one more time so I can give credit. 
Cody Andreezy, who is a Cardinals fan, but he's one of the nice ones, so we'll like we'll give him a pass. Um, tweeted at me one of these John Boy videos with the Astros doing their whole um, sign stealing, banging on sh- things uh, routine, and <laughs> I just Astros, what are you doing? Andy, tell me what you think about all of this. I wait. So, is I'm this the one where they're banging on the trash can in the dugout when the the they're stealing the signs against the White Sox? This is a different one. This is a Springer home run against. Hold, I I want to click on this to see it bigger, but I also don't want the sound to go on during our recording. Give me one second. I think it's the Twins. Um, man, this my, is I, this is this is I'm so messed up. On this so is many another levels. one. It's yeah. This is a totally different one. Um, this is the twins. I mean, John Boy at this point has videos of, holy God, okay, this is no joke. So John Boy has videos of the White Sox. He's got a video of um, the twins. He's got a video of, I, this is nuts, man. Like, I, <laughs> the Mariners. Um, I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> Andy, go. I know you'll watch it here. No, it just, oh, God. It's so blatant. Like, if you've watched any of these videos, and you know, listen, how many times have we heard who complained about it? The Yankees complained about the Astros. There was tipping pitches. How many times did we hear about you, Darvish, tipping pitches against the Astros? Yes. Yes. And that is another hilarious can of worms that has been opened after all of this. And I'll talk about that in a second. But, um, you know, we heard about the Yankees complaining about the Astros that he, that he heard, they heard whistling in the dugout that there was somehow that signs were getting relayed back to the dugout and they were whistling at the hitter. And, you know, AJ Hinch totally played that off. I was like, oh, no, no way. If that's all I needed to do to get in their heads, I would have done it a long time ago. That's crazy. Blah, blah, blah. Come to find out. Holy crap. They're onto something. Like yeah. this is, this is legitimately happening. Not to mention, let's talk about our foes to the North, the Milwaukee Brewers. They're now being named as another team that has been known to do the same thing. So I don't know what major league baseball is going to do about this. I mean, listen, I know Mike, our friend, Michael Sarami also um, tweeted something about this. And I felt the same exact way because I'm way tired of people saying, well, Guys stand on bases and steal signs. Listen, not the same thing. Not right. even close to the same thing. You bring in technology, and that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother ballpark. So the whole standing on second base and stealing signs, that's something that's been in the game for a long time. But using technology to steal signs, no, 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 no. That is wrong. That is not okay. So I really hope that Major League Baseball takes, uh, you know, they should just have representatives from the major league baseball office planted in Houston. Cause I feel like they've been there enough this season. They probably should just go ahead <laughs> they and should, they should be to, stationed like, there. Buy a condo by the ballpark. Yes. They should just, yes, they should be stationed in Houston. Like, and just, Oh, Oh, here we go again. We got to go back to, back to the Astros. <laughs> Houston o'clock. Oh my gosh. Stealing, and, sign stealing and general manager listen, shenanigans and PR catastrophes. This, and I want to hug, I want to hug the people that took it upon themselves and went out on Twitter and apologized to you, Darvish. Mike Fires, man. I want to hug, I want I to hug all of them. Mike Fires. Mike Fires came out and was like, we were doing this and it was wrong. 
And that takes a lot of courage to be like, I was on a team that did this. And this is what we did. I, if you have not read the, there's a piece in the athletic that John boy videos are out of control, just out of control. Good. Um, it is. I, it's mind blowing. I, I'm very rarely speechless. This one kind of left me speak, left me speechless. Um, the funniest part about the U Darvish stuff, not to, <laughs> to go back to this, but um, some, some rando, tweeted at you, you Darvish and said, I'm sorry, you Darvish. And and you of course responded because he is the most hilarious <laughs> Twitterite right now. And he said, for what? And the, the guy on Twitter said, you know, for all the bad things that I, I said about you in the world series at 2017. And <laughs> you Darvish responds and says, why I sucked. <laughs> Oh, by the way, you. okay, so you Darvish, greatest social media account ever, just ever, um, but also announced that they're going to have a new kid. So congrats to you, Darvish. Um, I follow an account that tweets almost exclusively in Japanese and click translate just so I can see what you Darvish is up to on a daily basis. Um, also, if you haven't seen this, you need to go find it, but there is video of yours you darvish truly pitching left-handed and it is silly my god have okay you seen i need do you no know, i have not but do you know what i need in my life i need you darvish pitching left-handed to hobby bias batting, batting, batting left yeah i need a lefty <laughs> yes. lefty battle between yes. you darvish and hobby bias please michael bowling cubs people can let's, we make this let's happen? make this happen it I needs to like happen your next youtube video for the cubs <laughs> channel just I mean amazing <laughs> amazing yeah that's honestly like with the all of the other stuff we were talking about earlier I was really glad that you decided to extend this this episode because I'm like we cannot end on that note so I'm happy that we're ending it on this note <laughs> yeah absolutely so I hope you enjoyed this extended episode of cup of cubby blue we actually didn't plan it this way but there was just so much to talk about that we had to do that if you Darvish throws left-handed to Javier Baez. You know we will be talking about that here on Cup of Cubby Blue, your off-season home for Cubs news, notes, and banter. You can follow us at Cup of Cubby Blue on Twitter. You can find all of our shows at Bleed Cubby Blue. You can follow Andy at BrizBlue, B-R-Y-Z underscore blue on Twitter. And you can follow me at BCB Sarah, BCB underscore Sarah on Twitter. Until next time, we miss you, Cubs. Come back soon. <laughs>